Welcome back to another episode of The Emily Show. I'm really excited to do like behind the headlines of this lawsuit between Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie over their winery, Miraval. I feel like this is a lawsuit we can all just get behind, but also my business associations professor from law school would be giggling. There is so much like literally business, business, business going on. Business, business, business. Numbers. Is this working? Yes. yes. There are holding companies. There is a, a operating company. There are choice of law. There is a divorce that's involved with all of this. And did I mention there's rosé? Yeah, it's not. Miraval's not just a winery. It's a rosé winery. And then there's frozen bank accounts. The news media was literally like, Brad Pitt sues Angelina Jolie for selling interest to Russian oligarch. I'm like, but there's so much. When I read this lawsuit, I was like, but there's so much more. And that's what we are breaking down today. The but wait, there's more. And also rosé. Also, this winery's making a sparkling rosé, and I have not had it. I'm here for it. I I went and got, I couldn't find Miraval. Uh, I didn't go, they have it at Costco most of the time. I did not have a chance to go to Costco. So I have a Luna Nuda French uh, Prosecco Rosé. I'm very excited. So audio crew, I'm sorry. Um, you don't get to see this beautiful bottle, but if you want to, you can go over to the YouTubes and you can see it. I'm going to open this uh, while we roll the intro. We're going to drink sparkling rosé and spill the tea on this fascinating lawsuit that could be literally an exam question in business associations. I can't wait to get into it. We should just get into it. I can't wait to, want to get into it. I want to do that now. Hey there. Welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years. I'm a former prosecutor, and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. You know, we always start with a quote. So let us pop this off with a pop and then a quote. Let us do that. We did a pop. We're going to do a pour. And we're going to do a quote from Angelina Jolie. Make bold choices and make mistakes. It's all those things that add to the person you become. And we're going to decide. I want to know from you if this lawsuit is a bold choice or if it's a mistake. I want to know. This is a lawsuit filed by Brad Pitt over their winery, Miraval. I have had Miraval wine. It's quite good. Um, the Miraval Rosé, it's beautiful. I, I, it's a, it's a bell-shaped bottle. For those of you that are like, Emily, a bell-shaped bottle, you mean like the controversial snow globe gin? Yes, the bottle looks exactly like the controversial snow globe gin. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you are not spending nearly enough time on my YouTube channel. You can go on over there at the Emily D. Baker. Um, and don't forget to like and subscribe. But it is a beautiful rosé. I've had it more than once. I had no idea it was their <laughs> winery. It was so funny because I was on the phone uh, with a friend of mine and she's like, so what, lo what lawsuits are we, what, what lawsuits are we cooking on? I'm like, so there's this winery called, uh, or 
Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie have a winery and she sold an interest and there's holding companies and there's there's international law provisions and it's like a whole thing. And she's like, Miraval, there's something going on with Miraval. I'm like, how did you know this? I did not know this. I did not know this. This also plays into their ongoing divorce. It is just a mess. It's not a mess. This lawsuit is well-written. These circumstances are going to be long and winding and messy. But for us, we are going to drink rosé and talk about, well, lawsuits. This is actually one of the better lawsuits I've seen when it comes to interference with contractual relations. On this channel, we have covered, or in this on this podcast, in this content of, of the shit that I talk about, we have talked about tortious interference with contractual relations in more than one circumstance. And in most circumstances, it's like, but how did they know? But how did they know? Did they really interfere with your contracts? Did they not? Is it like, is this actually tortious interference with contracts? But here it's alleged. And as alleged, I'm like, I can see it. I can see it. I'm not so sure about some of the other causes of actions. So we're going to just jump into it. But before we do, we need to take a moment to thank our sponsor. I just want to remind you that I actually do have another podcast called I Have Thoughts. I Have Thoughts is a members-only podcast within the Lawnard community over on Patreon at lawnardsunite.com. I started the Lawnards Unite Patreon so that we could have a place for not just additional content, but for conversation as well. And if you've been looking for a way to connect with other Lawnards that's not centered around YouTube, check out lawnardsunite.com for the IF Thoughts podcast and for a wonderful community of Lawnards. Hope to see you over on Patreon. And if you come on over, shoot me a DM that said the Emily show sent me so I can say hello and welcome you in to our community. All right, we should get back. We should get back to the show. So yes, this is a lawsuit between William B. Pitt and Mondo Bongo LLC. I Does it mean Big Bongo? I don't know. When I hear Mondo, I think either Brad Mondo or Big, like, ginormous. So I don't know what is meant by Mondo Bongo LLC, but Mondo Bongo LLC is the other plaintiff. Versus Angelina Jolie and Nouvelle, Nouvelle, N-O-U-V-E-L, Nouvelle, let's go with that, LLC, for tortious interference with contractual relations, breach of implied in fact contract, woof, breach of quasi-contract pleaded in the alternative. Mm -hmm. Breach of implied covenant of good faith and fair dealing, fair, and constructive trust. This is going to be an interesting one. So let us get into the facts at hand. The introduction of the lawsuit says in 2008, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie purchased a controlling interest in Chateau Miraval SA, a French company comprising of a home and a vineyard in the south of France. Pitt and Jolie purchased the chateau as a home to share with their children and the vineyard as a family business. Um, I know that my mom listens to the podcast. Mom, I'm just saying it's not too late to decide that a rosé winery in France is what's destined for a family business. There is still time. I'm, I'm in. Let's like, let's figure it out. 
we can do it. Not this one. This one, this one's going to be wrapped up in litigation for a while, but I'm sure they're just, there's others just hanging out. We can figure that out. Just saying. So I love this idea though. I love the romanticism of it. The, we're going to spend summers at the Chateau in France and we're going to have a quaint family winery. I just, I love it. Um, no one's going to love this lawsuit. <laughs> By the time we get to the end of this, you're like, oh, I smell years of litigation. It does not smell like rosé at all. It smells like a giant fucking flying fleet of lawyers. That's exactly what it sounds like. And they agreed, it goes on to say, they would never sell their respective interests in Mirval without the other's consent. The couple spent holidays at Miraval, and they were married there in 2014. The vineyard became Pitt's passion and a profitable one, as Miraval, under Pitt's stewardship, has grown into a multi-million dollar international success story and one of the world's most highly regarded producers of rosé wine. And for that, for focusing on the rosé that my basic ass loves, we, we, oh, wait, wait, the kids go wild. Hold on. Hold on. We're going to make the kids go wild. We love a winery that's just like, let's give the people what they want. And we know what they want is rosé. They do. It goes on to say in October, 2021, however, Jolie purported, notice they sell purported. You know why they sell purported? I'll tell you why. They're not going to acknowledge that this is a legitimate sale. No way, no how. This is Pitt's complaint. Pitt is not going to say, oh, it's been sold. Pitt's going to say purportedly sold because they are trying to undo this sale. So they are not going to allege anywhere that this is a legitimate business transaction. And we'll get into that as we go on. But the background is so fascinating. In October 21, how, 2021, however, Jolie purported to sell her interest to a Luxembourg-based spirits manufacturer controlled by Russian oligarch Yuri Scheffler. Jolie consummated the purported sale, interesting choice of words, consummated the purported sale without Pitt's knowledge, denying Pitt the consent right she owed him and the right of first refusal her business entity owed his. So the right of first refusal means if you are going to sell it, I have the right to buy it. And if I have the right to buy it, I have to turn it down first before anyone else can buy it. It continues on to say she sold her interest with the knowledge and intention that Scheffler and his affiliates would seek to control the business to which Pitt had devoted himself and to undermine Pitt's investment in Miraval. Well, if you're looking to mess with your ex, that might be a way to do it. But there are contracts, well, and business understandings. There are things, there are things here that might preclude this. I I know we're going to have to wait for a while, but I'm very interested to see what the answer is in this case, because I really do want to see the other side. Remembering that lawsuits are allegations and shade, this is Pitt's attorneys writing in the light most favorable to him, the facts as his side sees it. I'm very, very interested to what the other side is here, and we'll get a little sneak peek down the road in this lawsuit, but we only really have Pitt's side here. and. We know that the sale was announced. So this, the sale, the purported sale, the sale happened. Um, whether it was a legal sale or not is yet to be determined, but the sale did happen. It was publicly announced. So some of these things we know are fact because we've watched them actually play out before this lawsuit was initiated. 
The lawsuit goes on to say, compounding the impropriety of the purported transaction, Jolie seeks to recover unearned windfall profits from uh, for herself while inflicting gratuitous harm on Pitt. I really do enjoy the way that this complaint is written. It is a, uh, it is clean. It is crisp. Maybe it's like the rosé from Miraval, not sponsored by Miraval. But if another rosé would like to sponsor me, we will have a conversation. Um, it is a clean, crisp, flowery bouquet <laughs> of a complaint. It said that Jolie long stopped contributing to Miraval while Pitt poured money and sweat equity into the wine business, building it to the ascendant company it is today. The, again, the language. It's crisp. It's nice. Through the purported sale, Jolie seeks to seize profits she has not earned and returns on an investment she did not make. Well, she made the initial investment um, because she owned half of it. So there was some investment. Now, whether that investment was equitable or not is, um, you know, up for up for discussion, it seems. They say that Jolie's purported sale is unlawful on multiple grounds set out below. The purported sale breaches the agreement between Jolie and Pitt that formed the foundation of the couple's investment in Miraval. The purported sale violates the contractual expectations of Pitt and Jolie and the entities they own established through the 13 years since they bought Miraval. The purported sale deprives Pitt of his right to enjoy his private home and to oversee the business he developed from scratch. They say the purported sale tortiously interferes with Pitt's agreement with Jolie and that of the entities through which they form uh, the former couple affected their investment in Miraval. They go on to list the parties. Um, Pitt is Brad Pitt. Mondo Bongo is the LLC that holds Pitt's investments in property and stuff. Pitt is the sole owner. Defendant Jolie and her Nouvelle, Nouvelle, Novell limited liability company that she holds or prior to the sale held 100% ownership in. So what we've got is Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt as individuals, and then they each own companies. Those companies each own 50% of a company. The company that they own owns the winery. So two companies own one company, that company owns the winery. I know I feel like I need a little like chart. I feel like maybe that triangle is easy enough to understand. They go through jurisdiction and venue in California. This is essentially coming out. Well, they're both California entities. Factual background. Here's the story of what happened. Here's a little story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. I bought a winery with my wife and now it's gone. <laughs> I've got to deal with a Russian oligarch. I don't know. I, I lost it at the end there. Let's keep going. In 2008, Pitt and Jolie acquire Chateau Miraval through their indirect purchase of 100% of the shares of Quim, Quimicum? I have no idea. Q-U-I-M-I-C-U-M. Q, we're going to call it Q. 100% shares of Q, a Luxembourg public limited liability company and the parent company of Chateau Miraval. Look, if you're like, why are there so many companies? This is next level rich people shit. Companies owning companies making wine. It's just, it's next level. The Chateau Miraval owns a residential property and a vineyard located in Corns, France. Look, I never took France. I took French. <laughs> obviously, Emily, obviously you didn't. I took Spanish. 
I will butcher all of the French names. I apologize to both my French audience, of which I am sure there is limited, and my French-Canadian audience, which is probably larger. I apologize to all of the French-speaking law nerds out there. I, nope. I I speak fluent um, French in the other kind. I am going to refocus. I swear. Let us continue on. It's nice to have a lawsuit that just doesn't involve icky, horrible, horrible allegations and just like businesses fighting with each other over wine and money. It just feels so normal. Chateau Miraval owns a residential property and a vineyard located in France. As used in the complaint, Miraval returns to refers to both the Chateau Miraval residence, where Pitt and Jolie were married in 2014, and its associated wine business. It's the whole kit and caboodle, if you will. Pitt and Jolie envisioned that Miraval would serve as a private home for the couple and their family, and that Pitt could develop its vineyard into a successful family-owned wine business for the long-term benefit of Pitt, Jolie, and their children, which again, seems lovely. Prior to the acquisition, Miraval and the Q Company were owned by an American businessman and wine hobbyist who operated a small, unprofitable wine business on the estate. Pitt and Jolie paid approximately 25 million euros, that's a lot of money, to acquire the company and Miraval, with Pitt contributing 60% of the purchase price and Jolie the remaining 40%. They subsequently leased the estate for appropriate consideration from Chateau Miraval. So then they personally leased the home back to themselves. Again, when we talk about next level business shit, being able to have the companies that you own, so there are two individual companies, Mondo, Bongo, and the other one. Those two companies own the Q company. The Q company owns Miraval, and then they rented from their own company the residence. So the money just goes like that with tax benefits. When it's business, it's not money laundering because it's not. It's completely legal to do it that way. It's just one of those things where your 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 money begets more money. Pitt held his interest in the Q Company through Mondo Bongo, um, which he holds his personal real estate interest. Jolie formed Novell and holds her interest in the Q Company that then owns her interest in Miraval. To effectuate the acquisition of Chateau Miraval, Mondo Bongo acquired 600 shares of the Q Company and a 60% ownership interest, and Novell Jolie's company acquired 400 shares of the Q Company and indirectly a 40% ownership interest, which I quite like. Look, if you are doing a business partnership, which again, when I say partnerships are the only ship that never sail, partnerships so often don't go well. Um, even when those partnerships are held by relational partners, but somebody has to be in charge. So at least holding it 60, 40, someone stays in charge. We will see some of the mess that's coming out of this now being held 50, 50, because no one's in charge. There's no one who can outvote the other one. You're just stuck deadlocked. So holding things 50, 50 can be very, very tricky. All of these things take fleets of lawyers to negotiate. I mean, don't buy a winery without a lawyer. That's, I mean, I guess that's the point of that diatribe, but, uh, 60, 40, I, it looks like they had great intentions going in again. This is why you have contracts in business and prenuptial agreements in marriage, because everyone's got great intentions going in. It seems wonderful. And then when it ends, you're like, what are the rules for ending it? And that's really what this lawsuit is about. What are the rules for ending this business? 
And Pitt is saying, well, the rules are you have to sell it to me first or give me the option to say no. And Jolie's like, eh, yeah, eh, no, we're not going to do that. They go on to say that Pitt takes the lead on developing Miraval's grounds and building houses and that the uh, estate and winery was in need of renovation when they purchased it in 2008, particularly if the grounds were to support a viable wine business and that the business at that time was losing money each year. That Pitt and Jolie determined that they would invest in Miraval through loans from themselves to the Q company. So they individually are making loans to the company and the company can then pay them back with interest in most cases, by the way. So they were going to make loans to the company on a pro rata basis, reflecting their respective ownership interests. So if they were going to say, we need a million dollars, he'd put up 60%, she'd put up 40%, et cetera. They said, but by 2013, in the midst of the preliminary renovations, Jolie stopped contributing altogether. As both Pitt and Jolie, by then engaged to be married, recognized, unless Pitt continued to finance the development of Miraval, the company's plan for the family estate and business would be derailed. So this is a year before they're married, and they're saying even a year before they're married, she had stopped investing in this business. They go on to say that Pitt was dedicated to the project. He was assured, based on, among other things, the couple's years-long relationship, their joint vision for Miraval, Pitt's transformation of the estate into a private residence for the family, and Jolie's willingness to allow him to invest in a manner far disproportionate to his relative ownership share that neither party could, as a matter of mutual and binding commitment, dispose of his or her interest without the other's consent. And that is setting up where we ended up now. They say that Jolie understood the same. I'm not quite sure how they knew that she understood that, but there is the uh, business formation documents attached that seem to at least partially reflect that. Thankfully, it was provided in both English and French. So they assert that Jolie understood the same, and in reliance on that understanding, Pitt continued to invest millions of dollars in Miraval, even after Jolie stopped investing, greatly enhancing the value of Miraval by completing the renovations and expanding its operational capacity for the production of wine, all in Pitt funded roughly 70% of the investment. Jolie funded 30. They say that Pitt would not have made these investments, but for the rights, Jolie owned, uh, owned, owned him, owed him, Emily, owed him. Mondo, Bongo, and Novell reincorporate the Quim, Cum, Quimmy Cub company, the Q company, as a private LLC and agree to substantial transfer restrictions on the sale of shares. And this is the heart of this dispute. On March 25th, 2013, Mondo Bongo, it's just fun to say, and Novell, Novell, Novel, something like that, converted the Q company into a private limited liability, renamed, they kept the Quimmy Cub. I have no idea why they kept that name, but whatever into a renamed Q company. To effect this conversion, Mondo Bongo and Novell agreed that the Q Articles of Association, a separate agreement from the one between Pitt and Jolie directly, which is not attached, um, that placed significant restrictions on the transfer of the shares by the companies, the transfer restrictions. Here's what's interesting, and we will get to this again. Emily, you're going to repeat yourself? Probably. It restricts the transfer of shares by the companies. And here's the underlying issue. Novell did not transfer its shares. Jolie's company didn't transfer shares per se. Jolie sold her underlying company to another owner. So did that company transfer its shares? 
I mean, in effect, the same company still owns the shares, but the company's now owned by someone different. So the shares didn't transfer. And I think that's the argument going forward. But what they, what Pitt's side is going to argue is same, same by transferring the company, you've transferred effectively ownerships of the shares. So it is going to be splitting hairs on what you mean by transferring shares because Novell technically didn't transfer shares of the Q company. They just transferred ownership of the underlying company. Hopefully that makes sense. We'll get to that a bit more um, as we get through this lawsuit. But the transfer restrictions were placed on the underlying companies. There is an agreement, they say, between Pitt and Jolie that is not attached. And the content of that agreement, I would be very interested in. They say that Section 5.4.3 of the Articles of Incorporation uh, prohibits the transfer of the shares inter vivos to non-shareholders. But if you sell the company, the company stays the shareholder. And that's the rub of the thing. And it requires, the sale requires 75% approval. Of course, this company at that time was 50-50. So there is no one-third interest or two-thirds interest because that's 50-50, so everybody has to agree. They say, as a matter of Luxembourg law, do you start to see the complexity? Yes. Where was this reincorporated? Oh, the Q company is a Luxembourg-based company held by two California-based companies. And they say that the provision applies to any transfer of Mondo Bongos or Novell's shares to a third-party individual or entity. So they are going to be relying on the interpretation of the contract by the law in Luxembourg. That's going to be fun for whichever California judge this gets assigned to. I digress. Quick story. Look, we're, we're drinking champagne and podcasting. It's fine. When I was still a research attorney for judges in California, we had an employment law matter that came up on a cruise ship. And the individual employee that was suing had been hired out of a like employment fair um, down in San Pedro. And that's where they had their initial meetings and they were hired there. But the cruise ship was flagged under the Bahamas. So the law that applied on the cruise ship and on the employment contract ended up being the law in the Bahamas, not the law in California. So I got to do an evaluation of like California employment law, which is much more protective, and Bahama employment law, which is less protective, over whether or not that it was proper to fire this employee who was working on a cruise ship when pregnant. And they like pulled up in Florida and were like, by the way, um, you have to get off now. It was very interesting going through the two different laws and trying to apply the employment law of the Bahamas in a California lawsuit. It was fascinating, but I digress. Let's get back to this lawsuit. It does happen where the law that governs in the thing is not the law where you are. Choice of law provisions matter. All right. Through article 13, the Q articles also incorporate by reference a Luxembourg statute article 710-2 of the law of August 10th of 1915. I love that you just call the law the date. The law of August 10th, 1915. Perfect. Love, love it. Which supplements section 5.4.3 of the articles. And under the 710-12 law of August 10th, 1915, if a shareholder of the Q company rejects the proposed transfer of shares to a third party. The shareholder may either purchase the shares on the same terms offered to the third party or cause the company to buy back the shares. 
In effect, the shareholder enjoys an enhanced right of first refusal. I wonder if Joe Lee's way around this was like, but if we just don't tell them, and this is just speculation, if we just don't tell them, then they can't say no. It says if they reject the proposed transfer, why don't we just not propose the transfer to them? I don't think that's a legally tenable position. I just wonder. All right. They go on to assert that because Jolie's company did not own 75% or a you know two-thirds interest of the company, the transfer restrictions imposed a contractual obligation on Novell to obtain Mondo Bongo's consent before transferring the shares, which I think is probably the correct interpretation. And if it could not receive that consent, then it had to offer Mongo Bongo a right of first refusal or accept a buyout from Quimicum. Here's another purported transfer. It gets, it gets muddier. Just wait. If you're like, Emily, seriously, WTF. Oh, just, oh, it, it gets muddier. In December 2013, Mongo Bongo. And again, I'm going to enjoy saying this for the very long life of this litigation because I'm sure that it will have a very long life. Um, I can't see this just resolving easily, but I'm going to enjoy saying that the entire time. So Brad Pitt, thank you for making a company name that's fun to say. Mondo Bongo purports to transfer 100 shares of the Q company to Jolie's company in reliance on Pitt's understanding with Jolie. In December 2013, Pitt threw Mondo Bongo purported to transfer 100 shares of the Q company to Jolie's company, which is a 10% interest for the sum of one euro. So it was like a, a novel transfer. They say that the one euro was never paid. So there was no consideration for the transfer. They're saying because the one euro was never paid such that Mongo Bongo and Jolie then nominally held a 50% interest in Quimcom and by extension in the Chateau Miraval. They then go on to say the validity of the transfer is the subject of ongoing proceedings in Luxembourg and is not directly at issue in this action. What have we learned? Well, they are also attacking that transfer of 10% ownership to make it 50-50 ownership in Luxembourg saying that the consideration never changed hands, that the nominal amount, the one euro never changed hands between the parties. So perhaps Jolie never owned 50% and therefore she sold a greater interest than she had. And if she sold a greater interest than she had, she couldn't have sold what she sold. So the sale needs to be undone. So they are attacking this sale on two fronts. And I think in two ways, I'd be interested when that Luxembourg litigation began. I don't know. It then says Pitt would not have undertaken this separate purported transaction absent his understanding with Jolie that neither could alienate their interest in Miraval without the other's consent and absent the transfer restrictions. It made no sense for Pitt to contemplate giving up a majority position in the Q company. Had he believed that Jolie could or would ever dispose of her stake by selling her interest in Miraval to a third party without Pitt's knowledge and consent. Uh, uh, where have we heard this before? Oh, I don't know. It's like, I would have never given up my ownership stake in this company. Had you not promised me these things? Sounds a bit reminiscent, but here, at least the transfer restrictions are reflected in the organizing agreement in the operating agreement that is attached to this lawsuit. Those restrictions are in there in plain language. 
They go on to talk about how Miraval flourished under Pitt's stewardship. Um, Pitt had been dissatisfied with Miraval's existing winemaking business ever since he and Jolie acquired Miraval in 2008. He explained to a leading wine publication in 2014, I looked at the operation, which was absolutely fine if you're making wine for your friends and neighbors, as one does, as one does. But I would see our delivery car pull up, load two cases of wine to drive them two hours away and be gone half a day. The business model didn't make sense to me. Worse, the business was hemorrhaging cash. That was not part of the quote. That was just part of the lawsuit. Determined to make world-class commercially viable wines, Pitt engaged Mark Perrin, one of France's most highly regarded winemakers, as a partner to reinvent Miraval's wine business. On March 21st, 2013, Chateau Miraval entered into a 50-50 joint venture with the family's uh, Perrin, Mark Perrin's entity, to develop a global wine business, a global pharmaceuticals company. I'm sorry. It just harkens us back to the Toddy Westbrook lawsuit. It just does. It just has vibes. There's a vibe. There is a business partner vibe, except these business partners were married. A global wine business. The joint venture was named Miraval Provence. The first wine developed by the joint venture was the Miraval Rosé 2012. And it was an instant success. Its first 6,000 bottles sold out online within five hours. Wine Spectator, the leading wine publication in the United States, went on to award Miraval Rosé 2012 a coveted spot on its top 100 of 2013 list. The first rosé to ever appear on the list. I mean, cheers to legitimizing rosé. So it's not just us basic folks that love it. As Wine Spectator observed, quote, the wine's quality matched the hype. Ooh, they basically said the juice is worth the squeeze. <laughs> they then scored it, quote, an outstanding 90 points on Wine Spectator's 100-point scale, end quote, something no rosé had ever done. Again, all lawsuits have an aspect of a resume. The plaintiff's complaint generally has some aspect of a resume. I've just not gotten to go over one where the resume is for wine. It's the wine's resume. It's like, let's not talk about Brad Pitt. We would like to brag about our wine. And I am here for it. They say that Miraval's sales grew some 300% in 2014, with volume increasing by almost 200%. Unable to keep Miraval's popular wines in stock due to high demand, wine purveyors resorted to waiting lists. Oh, those waiting lists for the peons. In September 2016, Pitt and Joe Lee commenced divorce proceedings. I didn't realize they were only actually married for like two years. I had no idea. They got married in 2014. They got divorced in 2016. I, I feel like it's 100 years ago and two days ago all at the same time. It's like pre-2020, post-2020. Time moves differently. In September 2016, they commenced divorce proceedings. Pitt remains committed to Miraval and continues to steward its expansion. This is a lot more of um, what went on with the wine. On September 19th, 2016, Jolie filed for divorce. Jolie initially did not seek to sell her interest in Miraval to a third party, nor did she attempt to disavow her and her company's contractual obligations to Pitt and Mongo Bongo regarding Miraval. When the business partner, Mark Perrin, was asked about speculation that Pitt and Jolie would sell Miraval in light of the divorce. He dismissed it, drawing on his knowledge of Pitt and Jolie's longstanding approach to Miraval. I feel like that's an assumption and maybe a conclusory statement, 
but it's their complaint. Quote, the rumors about the sale of Miraval are false, Perrin told the drinks business. Quote, it is an investment for the family and the children, end quote. It says, in ongoing reliance on his and Mondo Bongo's rights, Pitt continued to devote substantial attention and resources to the development of the business and the expansion of its production, distribution, and sales. In 2017, it expanded its products line. In 2019, it launched a new brand, Studio by Miraval. Like, Studio and wine don't make sense in my head. It feels like it's a, a merch line of clothing, but okay. Studio, nobody asked me, truly, and I don't sell wine. Studio by Miraval at a lower price point, which achieved millions in sales in its first year on the shelves and has enjoyed tremendous sales and volume growth. Yay. In January 2020, this is the most important part of the whole lawsuit for me. Not legally, but personally. This is the most personally impactful part. In January 2020, Miraval began partnering with Rodolf Peters, a revered champagne grower. Pitt's idea, years in the making, was to establish the first champagne house devoted exclusively to rosé champagne. In October 2020, a subjoint venture established under Miraval Provence released Fleur de Miraval, the first edition of the partnership's rosé. I need to find the rosé. Pitt was integral in the effort, engaging in regular meetings and frequent correspondence, and headlining the marketing campaign, Jolie did not participate. Cheers for exclusive rosé champagne, my favorite kind. They then go on to say these investments have yielded exceptional returns. Miraval is now sold in over 65 different countries. Revenues have grown from $3 million in 2013 to $25 million in 2017 to more than $50 million in 2021. Volume sales have likewise skyrocketed, increasing over 1,800% since Miraval first jolted the rosé market in 2013. Even the pandemic could not stem Miraval's steady ascent up the ranks of the world's most successful wine brands. Miraval grew almost 25% in volume in 2020, and its sales increased almost 20%. All of us needed rosé in 2020. All. All. I'm not shocked by this. Alcohol sales did very, very well in 2020 and 2021. I'm not shocked. They go on to say, just as Pitt and Jolie had hoped, Pitt threw significant financial investment and years of sweat equity, has built a highly successful family-owned business. Miraval correspondingly grew massively in value since 2008 and is now worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Here is part of the rub when someone sells part of it out from under you. They say none of Miraval's success would have occurred if Pitt had not acted in reliance on the rights granted by Jolie. I wouldn't, he's saying, I wouldn't have put in all this time, effort, blood, sweat, and tears, and money if I thought you could just sell half of it from out from under me. I would not have done what I did if I thought that our contract was otherwise. So I acted in reliance. They're saying Jolie flouts Pitt and Mondo Bongo's rights and sells her interest to a Russian oligarch, which is the phraseology that grabbed the headlines, really. They say that Miraval's success and associated rise in which uh, in value offered Jolie an opportunity to capitalize on Pitt's success and cash out without ever having lifted a finger to grow the enterprise. I'm very curious as to what their side of this will be, but again, this is Pitt's side. They say that in um, a first effort to strike a deal that did not get very far, but reconfirmed each party's understanding that notwithstanding the divorce proceeding, neither Jolie nor Pitt 
could or would sell their interest to a third party without the other's knowledge and consent. In 2019, the parties resumed buyout discussions. The parties exchanged term sheets focusing on a partial buyout. So they were very serious about a sale in 2019. They then go on to say that in January 2021, Jolie informed Pitt in writing that she had reached a, quote, painful decision with a heavy heart, end quote. Jolie explained that she had purchased Miraval with Pitt, quote, as a family business, end quote, and as a place where she believed they would, quote, would grow old together, end quote. Nevertheless, Jolie continued she could no longer maintain any ownership position in an alcohol-based business, giving her personal objections. I don't know what those personal objections are. I do not follow Angelina Jolie or Brad Pitt that closely, but something shifted between 2019 and 2021. I don't know what changed because it was a partial buyout of a, hey, I won't buy all your interest, but I'll buy a substantial portion of your interest to a, I am no longer interested in owning an alcohol-based company. The partial buyout talks are off the table. It's going to now have to be a total buyout. They said that Jolie explained to Pitt in whatever writing this was that she saw two ways forward. And I think if they have this in writing and they are quoting it, so I can't imagine that they don't, but if they have this in writing and it reflects this as they portray it, it is going to be very strong on their side because she is saying, I see two ways forward. The first was an outright sale of Miraval where both Pitt and Jolie would sell it. And the alternative way was a complete bout of her share. So if that is what the writing says, and we've seen plenty of lawsuits where it's like, this email says this, and then you read the email, you're like, "Mm, but is it though? Is it really what it says though? But if she's saying, I see these two options, Pitt's side is going to argue, and that further bolsters the belief that she and Pitt were on the same page, that the options were either we both sell it or you sell it to me. There's no option where you sell it to a third party. They then go on to say that the negotiations for the total buyout progressed to a very advanced stage, and the parties even reached an agreement on the price. That is a lot of negotiations. It doesn't say over what period of time this happened, but that's a lot of negotiations. It then says, but in a letter dated June 15th, 2021, Jolie's representatives abruptly informed Pitt that they were terminating discussions and disingenuously accused Pitt of having no intent to finalize the agreement. I wonder what happened because if they reached a price, most people don't just say you have no intent of finalizing the agreement. Something is missing. I very much want to know what it is, but just keep in mind that there is more there. That's it's odd. It's an odd thing, but they have an explanation for it. I'm curious to what the other side will say. They say Jolie's letter concluded, we consider ourselves free from any negotiations with you, free to pursue any other transactions that we would deem appropriate to undertake. So it's almost as if Jolie is saying, or Pitt's side is saying, that what Jolie is saying is, we've offered this to you, you've refused, so we've exhausted our right of first refusal, we we no longer owe you anything, and we can move forward. They go on to characterize this saying Jolie's true motivation for purporting to be free of the obligations is that she had another buyer waiting in the wings. And on June 30th, 2021, Jolie uh, advised the divorce court that she had reached terms with a third party buyer subject to the prospective buyer's due diligence. Though its identity would not emerge for some time, Jolie's unnamed buyer was Tanute 
Del Mondo, all the Mondos, um, a subsidiary of Stoli Group, which itself is controlled by Russian oligarch Yuri Scheffler. Jolie asked the divorce court to lift the automatic temporary restraining orders that had been issued at the outset of the divorce proceedings so that she could sell the company Novel. Novel, Novel. The disposition of the company was not subject to the jurisdiction of the divorce court. So they're now characterizing why Pitt agreed to this. They said in the context of a much advanced divorce proceedings, Pitt and Jolie both recognized that the uh, automatic temporary restraining orders no longer applied. Pitt acting in good faith, thus stipulated to formally lifting them on September 8th, 2021, while making crystal clear in the stipulation that he was not consenting to the sale of Noville LLC or any assets thereof. So this has been going on for quite a while. They say that though it was aware of Jolie's and Noville's contractual obligations, the Mondo company, not Mondo Bongo, the other Mondo company, issued a press release on October 5th, 2021, announcing that it had purchased Jolie's stake in Miraval. They say that this is the first pit or anyone associated with him learned that Tenute Del Mondo was even in discussions to buy Noville and that Pitt was shocked of the sale. They go on to say that had Jolie honored her contractual obligations, Pitt would not have consented to the sale. Jolie's breach, if allowed to stand, will deprive Pitt of his right to enjoy his private home without sharing ownership with a stranger. Your honor, he's like a stranger. We're just pulling in all of the lawsuits we've covered into this today. It's just happening. Without sharing ownership with a stranger and to secure his position in the business he built from scratch with a uh, for the long-term benefit of his family. Moreover, they say Jolie structured the purported transaction to try to circumvent the rights that Noahville owed Mongo Bongo under the Articles of Incorporation of the Q Company. Yes, that triangle chart. We're back to it. Instead of selling Noville's shares in Quimcom, which the Quimcom articles expressly prohibit, Jolie purported to sell the company itself. Given that the only asset of the company is Miraval, this structure was an obvious subterfuge. Jolie was selling her interest in the company. They go on to say that the sale has wreaked havoc, havoc, havoc on the affairs of Quimicum, of Miraval, of the winery. They say, in nominally thrusting Novell into the hands of an aggressive third-party competitor, Joe Lee expected and intended to disrupt Pitt's and Mondo Bongo's relationship with Novell and the Q Company, along with their interest in the Q Company and Miraval, the winery. That expectation has been realized in the few months since Joe Lee sought to consummate the purported transaction. Since Novell came under Scheffler's purported control, Novell and Mondo Bongo have been unable to agree on the management and strategic direction of the winery, deadlocking on items as basic as appointing a manager for the Q company. The company lacks the ability to approve its accounts or take any independent action to manage its affairs, placing the company in jeopardy under the laws in Luxembourg. They say, in addition to that, and this is the T, I didn't see any of this reported. They allege that in addition to that, Angelina Jolie's former company has sought to seize operation control of the wine business, contacting Miraval's distributors to discuss contractual terms without authority and without the knowledge or consent of Miraval. It's seeking to transfer Miraval's intellectual property to Cyprus as part of an unsound and legally questionable tax strategy. So they're trying to move the intellectual property of the winery out 
of Luxembourg, as I'm assuming where it's held, to Cyprus. And then they say, and it has demanded that the Chateau Miraval's bank freeze its assets. What in the Wendy Williams is happening with this? What is happening? So Pitt is alleging that the new owner has tried to transfer the intellectual property, contacted the distributors, and tried to have the bank freeze its assets. So that is the harm they're alleging. Like, since this sale has gone down, literally the shit has hit the fan. They say that the new owners have repeatedly threatened retributive action against Pitt, Perrin, and Chateau Miraval's leadership. So what threats? I want to know what threats. Like, what threats are happening? They go on to say that Jolie misled Scheffler and his affiliates into believing that they would be able to direct the affairs of Miraval through their holdings in the new company, which they have no legal or equitable right to do. The, the end of their kind of allegations is that Pitt invested all of the time and money into this. Jolie's breach is malicious and tortious. It put the company in jeopardy and it must be undone. So the first claim for relief here is tortious interference with contractual relations by plaintiff Mongo Bongo against Jolie, not against, not Brad Pitt suing, Mondo Bongo against Jolie. And they are saying that Mongo Bongo, A, realizes everything above, but that the articles of the company, the forming documents of the company, included transfer restrictions, which constituted a valid and binding agreement between Mongo Bongo and Novell, and a valid binding agreement between Mondo Bongo and the Q company. Jolie was aware of these articles. She intentionally engaged in actions designed to uh, induce a disruption of the contractual relations between Mondo Bongo, the Mongo, the Mongo, and the other companies, and that the actions have disrupted it. So the contractual relation disruption is Jolie disrupting the relationship between Brad Pitt's company, her former company, and the holding company for the winery. It's very interesting because it's not going to be hard to prove that those contracts existed, that there was knowledge that they existed, unlike a lot of the other tortious interference that we see. And they're alleging really that the tortious interference is the wrongful sale. And the, you know, Jolie engaged in wrongful conduct with malice, oppression, or fraud. Accordingly, Mondo Bongo requests punitive damages be awarded. The second claim for relief is breach of implied in fact contract. Yikes. They're saying that Pitt and Jolie were subject to an implied in fact contract pursuant to which neither Pitt nor Jolie could sell their respective interest in Miraval to a third party through their actions and conduct. So this is trying to enforce an oral contract. I don't know how this will fly. They're saying that through their actions and conduct, Pitt and Jolie manifested their assent to this contract through purchasing Miraval as a private family business, um, through Pitt's investment in it, through Jolie stepping back. And they're alleging that because they had this understanding, that is a contract implied in the facts of how they acted, that Jolie breached that by selling her interest to the third party. And that is a direct and proximate result of the breach pit suffered damages. And those are some of the damages that we, um, we covered earlier with what's going on with the company. Now they're saying that Jolie should be equitably, equitably stopped from resisting the enforcement of the contract. So literally the court coming in and saying, you have to undo this. You have like, give the money back. You have to undo it. You were stopped. You were equitably stopped from taking this action. 
the contract is enforced. And if this contract is enforced, what they're arguing is under the terms of the um, forming of the company, the options Jolie has are sell it to Brad Pitt or sell it back to the parent company, which essentially would be selling it to Brad Pitt. So those are your options. I think what we might get from Jolie, if these are the facts, is why they broke off negotiations with Pitt and why they think they satisfied the right of first refusal. That's what I'm reading into what's been said in this complaint. Third claim for relief, breach of quasi-contract what? Plaintiff Pitt against defendant Jolie. They're saying that Jolie obtained a benefit by purporting to sell her company, the value of which was significantly enhanced through the substantial investments of time, effort, and money that Pitt made in Miraval in a manner disproportionate to his relative ownership share that Pitt made substantial and disproportionate investments of time in reliance on the understanding that Jolie could not sell her stake without Pitt's consent and that as a breach of that conduct, the purported sale, that Pitt has been injured, damaged, financially damaged. Fourth claim for relief, breach of implied covenant of good faith and fair dealing. The covenant of good faith and fair dealing means you have to, you know, not be a dick in your contractual relations. I mean, it goes beyond don't be a dick in your contractual relations. But for our purposes, it's like you you are supposed to act in a good faith manner and deal fairly. Meaning if you're not supposed to sell your shares in the company, selling the underlying company and being like, see, I didn't sell my shares, maybe is not what's um, maybe is not what's considered good faith and fair dealing. This is between the Mondo Bongo company against the Novell company. So between the two companies, not between the individuals, that pursuant to the transfer restrictions, the Jolie's former company couldn't do what they did. That's a breach by selling it. They couldn't breach it. Um, therefore, damages. Fifth claim for relief is constructive trust, asking the court to put this in a constructive trust while it is being litigated. Because as a result of the wrongful transfer, they're saying Novell has become an involuntary trustee of the shares for the benefits of the plaintiff. So, hey, give it back. Prayer for relief, what they're asking for. A judgment in favor of plaintiffs against defendants. Damages to be proven at trial. Restitution to be proven at trial. Disgorgement, give it back. Punitive and exemplary damages. You suck, pay more. For a declaration that Jolie's purported sale is null and void. That's the big one. Unwind the sale. Legally, as a matter of law, unwind the sale. Specific performance enforce the contract that we have and the understanding we have. Make them sell it to us, essentially. For imposition of a constructive trust over the shares held by Novell, until this is done, have a trust. I'm surprised they didn't. I wonder if they can't. I'll get to those thoughts in just a second. I need to finish this first. Attorney's fees and costs as provided by law, pre and post judgment interest, and for any other relief the court deems just and proper. When my brain ran away with me before I finished these, I was wondering if they were going to file a preliminary injunction with that constructive trust, but I wonder if they can't due to the international nature. It's something I will need to look at, but they have not filed a preliminary injunction. They did file this with an exhibit one, exhibit one being the um, agreement to form the company. I did go through it. It was provided in both English and French, which is so helpful. And it says what they say it says which is something I always look for because in too many lawsuits, it's like, this says this and you read it and you're like, um, maybe our reading comprehension is different, but that's not what that says 
or at least that's not how I interpret what that says. And that's the thing with being a lawyer is how this is interpreted is going to be very important. How this provision of selling the shares is interpreted is the heart of the thing. And any agreement between Pitt and Jolie is going to help inform the court. Their actions will help inform the court. And then um, the writings between the two of them and their negotiations will help inform the court. Like, what did these parties understand this agreement to mean is where the court will go first. So when we look at these articles, essentially articles of incorporation, they say in section 5.4, transfers of shares. Shares may not be transferred inter vivos to non-shareholders unless shareholders representing at least three quarters of the corporate share capital shall have agreed thereto. What is transferring shares? Does the company, is the company the shareholder? Or when a company just has a sole proprietor, is that individual the shareholder? Because if the individual underlying the company is the shareholder, then Jolie transferred her shares to the third party through ownership of her underlying company. But if the company's the shareholder, then she transferred ownership of the company and the company still owns the shares, not the shares in the company, Novell, the shares in the company that owns Miraval, the Q-named company. So if the, if the company Novell still owns company Q, has there been a transfer of the ownership of the shares, even though there's been a transfer of the ownership of the company? And it will be very interesting to see how this gets parsed. This is going to be lawyers on both sides arguing the, you know, what does the law in Luxembourg inform? What does the behavior of the parties inform? I don't doubt that when they purchased this, the understanding was that this is where they were going to grow old together. And Angelina Jolie saying that purportedly in an email might help inform the court about these parties' understandings when this was purchased, when this company was reformed, that they believed that this was a 50-50 partnership. And I wonder if Jolie would say that about her marriage as well. I mean, maybe they both will. But this is a mess. It's going to be very interesting. There is still proceedings going on with regard to property and things in the divorce proceeding. There is this action. And then they mentioned an action in Luxembourg. So there's international litigation going on too. And a winery held in the middle. Look, free the rosé. That's what I'm saying. I want to try the rosé champagne. I don't want this all held up in litigation. So let, you know, the winery still wine. We, that's what the people want. This is going to be expensive and stressful for everyone involved. And I am very interested to see how this turns out. This feels like a business association's final exam. Raise a glass. It's time to say me. The audio audience doesn't know. I'm just raising an entire bottle of champagne. Yep. Raise a glass and say it with me. Let's um stay hydrated and mind our business. And maybe, maybe this evening just stay a little tipsy and mind our business. It's fine. It's all fine. Because you might be listening to this in the morning, but I'm recording it at night. So stay hydrated and mind our business. And thank you for being a honored. I can't wait to see what you think of this lawsuit. Let me know in the comments. And if you're in our Patreon group, when I post about this lawsuit, I can't wait to hear what you think. And with that, raise a glass. May your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper be plentiful. May your families be well. And may the odds be ever in your favor. Thanks for being a honored. And I will see you in the next one.
drinking? We are drinking Luna Nuda. It is delicious. May your Wi-Fi be strong. No, that's not where we start with that. Is that where we start with that? No, that's not where we start with that. Maybe. Yes, it is where we start with that. Ha! 